In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Do you remember like a couple weeks ago when you were talking about like a bodega lunch? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I feel like I do remember that. And we just dove straight in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, well, the the bodega plays such an important part in this movie we're going to talk about this week. I thought I would just remind you of your fond feelings for bodegas. They are... They are a special thing and something that I was sort of, I mean, I guess I knew this, but I didn't. My Like some friends reminded me this week that bodegas are specifically a New York thing. I thought um, I reminded you word. when we spoke about this last. Maybe. People have to remind me things multiple times because I have a terrible memory if <laughs> anyone has ever been paying attention. <laughs> um, I learn things and I quickly forget them. I mean, sometimes... Um, I'll talk to mom and she'll be like, on the podcast, you said this. And I'm like, did I? <laughs> no recollection. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's probably not good. I should probably get it checked out. But, um, yeah, I, I, I should know that obviously living in New York, uh, as long as I have, but yeah, bodegas are great. A bodega lunch. Are you kidding me? Like a bodega sandwich, a bodega breakfast sandwich, all kinds of sandwiches. I mean, I could eat one right now. I mean, I do always like, well, first of all, this is like, I just like a sandwich straight up. Sure. Um, But like there is something great when you are in like a local eatery where it's like that, you know, the sandwich is made fresh, but it's like wrapped up in a thing and it's like put in the little, like that open, like not refrigerator kind, but it's like cooler and you like pull it out and you're like, Hey man, got this sandwich and like, see ya. And, and also it does seem like the bodega is like a community meeting place as well. Yes. A hundred percent. Uh, definitely. And like in my, in my neighborhood, we have multiple bodegas. <laughs> like, I mean, right within a, a one block radius, we have the option of three. That's um, awesome. And all, yeah. And all actually four, if I'm being honest, we frequent more like three, but there's four actually. Um, and one specifically has great sandwiches. <laughs> um, and the one that we like to get is called the G train, which is a New York name for the sandwich. So it's all very New York-y. Um, and their sandwiches are made fresh. Like we can, you can like watch the, uh, you know, guy make them in the back as you order it. They're not even in the 
little front panel or whatever. Right. Yeah. So they're super good. I mean, that was so good on you for like getting us to where we wanted to go, which is like talking about <laughs> New York. Cause I was like, I need like a New Yorky <laughs> opening and I didn't want to <laughs> sing any one of the number of songs about New York as a place. Um, and <laughs> bodegas make such a big, yeah, that would probably be a problem. Bodegas are very New Yorky and they're very important to the story that we're about to talk about. So first and foremost, hello, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I am Sarah Walsh. Uh, I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy, and this is See You Next Week in Space. And Amy, why don't you explain or say the name of the movie we're talking about this week? So we're talking about a movie that I'd never heard of, and um, it's a shame because it actually uh, is quite interesting. Um, But it's from 2019, and it is called See You Yesterday. Yep. And I don't know if it had, like, a full theatrical release. It's now on Netflix, but... Um, did it have a full theatrical release? Um, I believe it did not, but let me just Google to make sure. I'm pretty sure this is just um, a Netflix movie, not like a theater release movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure, but it does. uh, It's very, very New York centric. I mean, that's like uh, the story, a lot of times, even in stories about New York, you can tell it's not shot in New York. Yeah. This one is very much shot in New York, um, which I liked. And almost every time they showed a street, uh, cross or a cross streets, I would look it up and see how close it was to my house. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was interesting. And I'm, I'm positive that the bodega that is featured in this movie is a real bodega. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you as well, one of the other things that I find interesting about, like, the bodega, like, sitch in New York is (laughs) that, um, like, bodega, if you weren't aware of this, is a Spanish word. People start using the word bodega to describe, like, the corner store um, because there's a major Mm -hmm. amount of Puerto Ricans in New York. That's kind of where that comes from. Um, Mm -hmm. but like now what I find really funny is like bodegas are not exclusively run by like Latino people (laughs) necessarily. Well, um, like I think that was where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's so interesting now is that I think in New York, my guess is it's more like families of that neighborhood. Right. Right. In this. Um, in this movie, I, I guess I couldn't really say they didn't show the people who owned the bodega or even, I mean, they showed the guy who worked the counter like a little bit, but I wouldn't necessarily venture a guess as well, to his name what is his Carlito. So, oh, okay. He's probably Latin of some amount, perhaps. Yeah. So, for example, in my neighborhood, all of the bodegas. Well, I can't say all. I don't know all their backgrounds, but they are not generally of um, Latino descent or um, they are all more Middle Eastern. Yeah. I think one, I'm pretty sure that they are a Pakistani family. The others are maybe Bengali. I'm not sure. Um, so, th- And that's more reflective of my neighborhood. Right. So I think, you know, it depends on the neighborhood to like... 
Yeah. You know. Yeah. Just like New York in general. Yeah. But so even the term bodega is kind of like a uniquely New York thing to say about the corner store, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So to go back, though, to what you were asking about this movie, um, it does not appear to have a theater release. It was just a direct Netflix movie um, that came out on the 17th of May, 2019. Um, And... Mm According to Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 95% approval rating, so it's very well liked. Um, it's very, it's, I mean, not, and no spoilers for like a couple seconds. The end and you, <laughs> well, no spoilers for like the end in which we say like whether I recommend it or whether I like ah, it or not. Sure. But um, I wasn't really expecting to like it, to like it yeah. just because I had no, just because I'm usually going into these expecting not to like it. But um, I really enjoyed it. And yeah. um, the, the New York backdrop was definitely a part of that for me. But also the story was really fun. And again, obvious, well, fun is sort of a wrong word for it. But um, the fact that it's earthbound, all those yeah. types of things. But I thought it was just very well done yeah. as a whole. Yeah, I thought it's like to me, I similarly, I mean, I kind of knew I would like it in part because I remembered the reason I even knew to look for it is because when it came out last year, or I guess now maybe a year and a half ago, um, it was like one of those things that Netflix kept like pumping (laughs) at me. Like you want to watch this, you want to watch this. Mm. And at the time I just didn't because I was like, I don't know. Um, But now that I have watched it, I'm like, oh yeah, of course I would like this. And somehow... Yeah, Netflix was right. Always listen to Netflix, everybody. I mean, I would say that's not always a hundred percent. Just like with all of those like <laughs> recommendation I mean, algorithms. Netflix sometimes. is always telling me... Netflix is always telling me what murder things to watch. So like it gets me, but... Um, yeah, it, it, but I would say like for every nine things that it recommends to me, I'm like, hey, yeah, there's one where I'm like, mm, yeah, no, you do, uh, no, oh, sure, um, sure. But so let's talk before like so this movie. I think also perhaps what you liked about it is that it was quite short. It was only 87 minutes. Um, I do always like something that's quick and to the point. And, yes, that's true. Um, so like. I guess the place to begin is by saying that um, this is actually an expansion on a short film that was done by the same writers that came out two years before, also called See You Yesterday. And that one, I think, was only maybe Hmm. like, you know, the short films, like 15 or 20 minutes. Um, And so the writers of this are Frederica Bailey and I think Stefan Bristol. Um, and so like, I think to me, what's really interesting about this movie, and we'll talk more about it as we go through the story, um, is that it takes the concept of time travel, uh, which of course is at this point, a very used concept in stories and films. Um, Mm -hmm. and then does something that I, I've, actually seen a lot more people talking about, which is like, what happens when black people travel in time? And would the fact Mm. of your blackness, and it doesn't just have to be black, it's just kind of like generally non-white people. um, Mm -hmm. What would that mean? Right. And like, how do we maybe take this concept of time travel, which is generally going to, when you think time travel, you think of kind of wacky or fantasy or something, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Mm -hmm. 
And in this case, what Bailey and Bristol do is they take the concept of time travel and they marry it with um, the Black Lives Matter movement that has been important um, for quite some time at this point. Um, And I thought that was a really, like, clever um, novel, I guess you'd say. Like, it's also part of um, Mm -hmm. a larger movement which predates this movie and has a longer history, which we probably won't get into here, which is, have you ever heard of something called Afrofuturism? No. Yeah, it's kind of like a whole movement um, that encompasses a lot of different types of art and kind of lifestyle things. Um, But it's basically bringing up this whole idea of like putting black people into the future, showing black people in like scientific roles and like that sort of thing. So even something like Black Panther has elements of Afrofuturism in it. Hmm. Um, a good example in terms of the music world of Afrofuturism is that Janelle Monet, one of her first albums was called the Arch Android, I want to say something Android. Um, and it was basically kind of like, um, a rock opera, although she doesn't do rock, but I guess you'd Hmm. call it like an R and B ish opera, um, about imagining Mm -hmm. the future right? With, uh, from a black yeah. perspective. So, I mean, there's much more to it than that, but this is also yeah, yeah. kind of inspired by some of those ideas coming out of Afrofuturism. And, huh. um, the thing that I thought was kind of like, it jolted my memory when I was watching this is that, so like black lives matter is still like for now people talk about it so much, but it's still a relatively new social movement. Um, because it didn't start until 2013, um, and it was in response to the murder of Trayvon Martin at the hands of George Zimmerman in Florida. Yeah. Um, and well, you know, what's interesting about that is what you wrote down here is, you know, it's, I think a lot of people, not everybody, obviously there's many people who are more involved and who are more knowledgeable than myself, but it got so big over this past year, right? Um, you know, because you know of everything. But I almost forgot that it's been that long, to be honest. Like, I, I mean, I was aware, obviously, of Trayvon Mar- Martin and like that whole story. I, if you told me that was nearly eight years ago, I that's surprising to me. Yeah, I mean. Um, and it really began first as like just a hashtag on Twitter, but then of course it's that plus like actual efforts at action and things. And to just clarify, it wasn't so much that George Zimmerman shot Trayvon Martin. It was also that he was acquitted for that murder. Um, right. And that really on like rightfully so it made people very angry. Um, and it made people, cause I think one of the other issues in that one was that it was like the, the law in Florida about like standing your ground. Right. And like that, if it's on your property, apparently you're allowed to like shoot people and stuff like that. Apparently. Um, I mean, be careful people who live in Florida. I mean, and the fact that he was a child, basically. I mean, um, there was lots of things in that case that made it 
become the sort of uh, blow up situation that it was. Right. And well deserved. But, um, you know, and the and the sad truth is (laughs) this, you know, all this stuff that Black Lives Matter has brought up is not new. And that's also part of the reason for its, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. Necessity. Yeah. I mean, I think we all, well, I shouldn't say this because I'm speaking for people who are horribly misinformed. Um, the, <laughs> the no, like, it's very clear that uh, the police in this country, at least, um, have always had a very combative relationship um, specifically with the black community, primarily because some of the mm-hmm. first police forces we ever had in this country were about collecting fugitive slaves and returning them and punishing yeah. them and all that sort of jazz. Um, uh-huh. But as well, um, police in this country have always been very combative of people who are poor, um, people mm-hmm. who are perceived as marginalized for whatever reason that might be. Um, So, I mean, like, in a sense, to me, like, the focus on Black Lives Matter and the kinds of violence that black people face at the hands of the police is, like, just um, the kind of most intense and violent manifestation of a problem that does affect everyone, right? Like, so, I mean, and I think as we talk about it, the way that this movie kind of portrays some of that, I think is really, like, well done Um, and does a good job of showing to people who aren't black the kinds of experiences and feelings that would come up if you are black interacting with police officers, right? Um, Yeah. And so, and in, and I just want to like kind of wrap up this little opening bit by saying like, um, as I said before, like I, th- something that I think is really interesting, which often gets um, obscured in time travel movies, is the fact that, um, especially if we're talking about moving backward in time, um, mm-hmm. typically the only people who can do that are white people. Because if a person of color goes back in time, if they would even want to, um, you got to be careful. Yeah. Like the years and the, yeah. Right. And so years and the geography where you're going to be. Right. Right. So it also makes sense to me too, that like kind of the overall story that this movie is trying to do is yes, they are going back to the past, but they're not going to like 1894. They're going to the previous day. Right. So that's kind of the setup here. So in terms of the cast, uh, we have a pretty small one of like kind of characters who really matter to the story. But first Mm -hmm. and foremost, we have um, a character who I know it's Claudette. I'm not totally sure about the J. I think it's Claudette Jean, who goes by CJ Walker. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's played by an actor named Eden Duncan Smith, who was just a wee Mm -hmm. 20-year-old when this came out. Um, She's so cute. But she actually, uh, like, and also I thought because of the kind of um, New York of it all, at least uh, her and her co-star Dante Critchlow seem to be like New York kids, like born and raised uh-huh. in the New York area. Yeah. 
in her case... Well, it says she's from Queens right here. Yeah. So in, so in her case, um, she, before this, did quite a bit of some Broadway stuff as a, an actual child. Um, and um, specifically, like, some of her credits listed, like, she was... I think she said it was, like, Alvin Ailey dance troupe and, like, stuff like that. Um, she also appeared in the recent remake of Annie from 2014. Um, she also appeared, I'm not sure if you ever watched that show with Aziza Ansari called Master of None. Yeah, of course. So she I don't remember this character though. This was in an episode where it was like kind of little vignettes of different people like all throughout New York. And she was in this one where it was like her and her boyfriend signing, with each other. Um, And as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh yeah, I do remember that. I don't remember. I feel like they were maybe even fighting, but I can't remember for sure. Um, I can't remember that. But yeah, so she's fluent in ASL, um, though she is hearing. Um, And how she ended up in this, both she and her co-star played these same roles in the short film. So she just okay. goes into the longer series or the kind of full-length feature film. Um, uh-huh. And she has three upcoming roles in movies. Um, so it seems like her career is taking off quite nicely. Um, and I also Good. wanted to point out that her name, her character's name is C.J. Walker. And that, I am fairly certain, is inspired by the real Madam C.J. Walker, who um, was the first self-made female millionaire in the United States. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, who is also black. So, like, not to forget. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, C.J. Walker. Actually, um, Octavia Spencer has also got a Netflix series where she plays her, C.J. Walker, I mean. Oh, interesting. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so uh, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think it's unlikely that that was a coincidence. That seems like, (laughs) yeah, that seems like that would be a weird coincidence. Um, And then, of course, also uh, Madam C.J. Walker was not only a very wealthy woman, um, she also used that money to do political activism. This is at kind of the turn of the 20th century. Um, And she made her money because she did hair products for black women. Um, I love that. Or, well, not black women alone, just, like, black hair. Um, Uh And so that's how she makes her money, because no one was making that stuff um, at, like, kind of a wide scale. She's also one of the first people who figures out kind of the model of, like, having women sell to other women by, like, going to their homes and stuff, like Avon and that whole jazz. She's the first Avon lady. <laughs> well, she didn't do it herself. She made other people do yeah, yeah. it. But yeah, she came yeah. up with that smart, idea. Smart. Um, so yeah, she's this really very like important figure, um, certainly in the African American community, but really should be for everybody's uh, kind of understanding of entrepreneurialism and history of business in the United States as well as hmm. then yeah. using that money to do political activism, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the next character is named Sebastian Thomas, and that's played by an actor named Dante Critchlow, who was also 20 when this movie came out. Um, and as I said, the he... baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're supposed to be high school kids. At least they're not, like, I know, I 35 know. and, like, I'm 18. I know. Well, at 
I know. Well, at first, I was trying to figure out if they were supposed to be in high school or college, but um, I figured it out. Yeah. Um, and he, so he was also the same character in the short version of this movie. Um, and it mm. looks like he only, like, he hasn't quite done too much more since then, at least in terms of film credits. But um, he also, I could tell from the little bit that there was on about him online, like I think he's studying at NYU, so he might be doing like some theater cool. stuff. Not totally sure. Cool. Um, the next character is uh, CJ's older brother, Calvin, um, who mm-hmm. is played by an actor who in I, the IMDb credits is listed as Brian Stroh Bradley, who was 23. Um, it mm-hmm. turns out that now uh, this guy goes by the name Astro and then and now kind of is mostly pursuing a rapping career. Um, huh. And so his he's known as Astro for like rapping. I haven't actually listened to any of his stuff. I I don't really know anything about it, but the way he got on this is that um, he was on the first season of the American version of X Factor. Oh, which I think probably was quite huh. some time ago at this point. Yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't pay attention a lot to those shows, but it seems like it's been. Not, they've been doing that here for a while. Yeah. So he was on the first season of that, doing rapping, and then that like kind of blossomed into making him more of a thing. Um, but he's also been kind of back and forth with acting as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, the other character who we kind of need to know a little bit about is a character named Eduardo, who is played by an actor named Jonathan Nieves. Um, and I did find this kind of uh, cute. He's Jonathan, but the John part is spelled J-O-H-N. Um, which is unusual. Oh, interesting. That is. Um, but, you know, who's to say? Um, I could not figure out his age at all. Um, hmm. But I hmm. presume he's probably simil- of a similar I age. he's probably about 20. Yeah. yeah. Some, like, 25 or under, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he probably, of all of them, has, like, maybe the most amount of credits because it looks like he started really pursuing like TV appearances and like guest spots. Um, probably when he was like a, a mid teen would be my guess. Okay. Um, so, cause he was on a lot of stuff and then most recently he's now a regular character in this newest, um, iteration of Penny Dreadful, which I think might be like a Showtime or an HBO. I can't remember for sure. Um, yeah, but so I don't know either to be honest. I really liked his character. He had a lot of like funny bits. Um, yeah, he was real cute that I quite enjoyed. So, and these are kind of the yeah. only people that we really definitely need to know um, for how this story is going to go. Um, yep. So let's now turn our attention to the story itself, um, which uh, probably unsurprisingly because we're dealing with time travel it feels interesting but also maybe a bit like claustrophobic because we keep like looping back and back right like at least that's Uh the feeling I had by the end I was like I can't be in this day anymore (laughs) um, well and I mean the day just like continues as we'll talk about like continues to unravel and I'm just like I started losing hope yeah. That it was going to end the way they wanted it to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably part of the point. 
Um, yeah. But the start of the movie is very fun. I, like, I was having yeah. a very good time for probably, like, the first hour, and then things start getting <laughs> rough, and that, it, so... Uh, it gets a little dark. <laughs> so we start out, we're in some alley somewhere in Flatbush, um, and CJ and Sebastian are doing a test on what they're calling their TRP packs, um, mm-hmm. which we very quickly understand are time traveling backpacks, basically, or time traveling machines it. that you wear on your back. Um, and they looked a lot like, just so you can have a visual listeners, they look very much like the proton packs from Ghostbusters. They look a lot like that. Yeah, they do. You're right. Um, but they're, they're smaller and when they go out and smartly, unlike the Ghostbusters, they are small enough so that when they are out walking on the streets, they have these machines inside of an actual backpack. Um, so right, that, so they don't look like actual cray crays right, like on the street. Right. Exactly. Um, which I think is a very shrewd decision on their part. Um, yeah. And so then we're hearing CJ discuss kind of like what the test is supposed to be for, that they've created these things called TRPs so that they can open a wormhole that when they go through the wormhole, then they will be able to go backward in time. Um, and so mm-hmm. t- to kind of flesh this out, she mentions that it is the 27th of June, 2019. And at the moment, like this seems to be their a hundred percent, like first test of the equipment. Like they've been work- making it and doing it, but like, this is the first time that they are putting the packs on their bodies with the idea that they might actually go somewhere in time. Um, mm-hmm. because basically they're like, at this point, we can only go back one day. So up to 24 hours. Um, And so they start doing the test. And I mean, that's why this was so fun at the beginning, because it's pretty clear that like um, the writers really do love science fiction movies um, because they make some Mm -hmm. really good, or not just movies, but science fiction in general, because they make some good references because as they're about to start their test, Sebastian says, energize. And then CJ Mm. says, this isn't Star Trek. And so I knew you would like that line. (laughs) I know. And then Sebastian responds with, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I really liked that. I knew you would like that part when he said that at the beginning. I was like, oh, of course. Yeah. Well, Star Trek. And that's not even one of the best kind of self references to science fiction. We're going to get there. Um, so they get the, everything's going and some stuff in the alley starts to shake, but ultimately the test is a failure and all that happens is their TRPs seem to catch on fire <laughs> and then that's mm-hmm. a problem. Um, that is a problem. So then we get the big credit that says, see you yesterday. So that was basically our cold open. Um, Mm -hmm. then we follow Sebastian and CJ to the Bronx high school of science, which did you know is a real place? Um, I didn't, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. I don't know a lot about the high schools in, (laughs) in New York. Although I will say the high schools in New York are most, especially if it's one, it sounds like it might not be a public school. Um, and even the public schools, it's very hard to get into high school is my point. 
and it's weird. It's a weird New York thing. Um, well, probably so I would assume to get into something like that, like you'd have to take some tests maybe, or like apply. Like it's, yeah. I feel like it's probably one of those things that is often what you have in big cities like that, where it's like, it's not a private school. Like it's technically a public school, so you don't have to pay. Right. But it is right. like everybody in the five boroughs is, is trying to go to, right. for, because for example, oh yeah, this, so this is not the same as them going to like their PS whatever, right. because obviously they live in Brooklyn and they're going to the Bronx. That's first of all, that's a very long commute for school. Oh yeah. But, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's in like the lower part of the Bronx, but East Flatbush to the Bronx, that's a long train ride. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So like, it's kind of like an even fancier magnet school is how I would think of yeah. it. Um, yeah, yeah, cause yeah. I know Boston has similar types of schools like that where like, um, they're very prestigious, but they are yep. technically public. Um, yeah. so that, yeah, that checks out for what this is. Um, yeah. And so they both go there and we can like tell that it's the last day of school because it's late June. All the kids appear to be mm -hmm. in their final class of the last day of school. And so everyone is oh, like, such a good feeling. I'm over it. We're not doing anything. <laughs> so like, there's a lot of kids like goofing around. And then CJ mm -hmm. is reading Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. Did you notice that? I didn't. Yeah. Do you know who Stephen Hawking is? I do, but don't ask me specifics because then I'll sound dumb. It's fine. Um, his That book is like just very famous in terms of unsurprisingly yeah. thinking about concepts related to time so yeah, yeah, yeah. from the perspective of physics um mm -hmm. so she's reading that and uh, like Sebastian looks like he's like talking to some friends and then this is my other favorite kind of like uh cameo slash reference uh, then mm -hmm. like we see Michael J. Fox as the teacher in this class. Oh, yeah. You know what? I had I obviously knew it was him, and I was like, oh, that's so funny. Michael J. Fox is in this. Um, I didn't even put together the little the nod to Back to the Future. Oh, my God. That's like the best little... That's like I know. such a I'm, good I'm in understanding joke. it now as I say it. Yeah, I know. I'm understanding it now. I didn't think of it at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was smart. They're smarter than me. So what, <laughs> what can I say? Um, so he's there and he's actually reading, um, a book by Octavia E. Butler, who is a very famous, um, African-American sci-fi writer, um, oh. and novelist. Uh, and the book he's reading is Kindred. And that is a, I've not read this book, but it's a time travel book about a woman who is going kind of back and forth in time uh, between the 1970s and uh, the pre-Civil War era in the United States. So oh. like um, there are lots of these references to other science fiction things like all across this movie, which I think is really cool. Hmm. Um, yeah, I like that. And, uh, this one in like, and unsurprisingly, like Kindred still plays with this same idea, which is like, what happens when black people go back in time? And like, so it mm -hmm. isn't quite as fun, like back to the future 
and all of its sequels are fun, right? But that's because we're following yeah. two white guys back and forth through time. Right. Um, True. They don't have to worry about the fact that they're going back to like the old West right. and anything like that. Right. Um, so then the bell rings. We have a lot of shots of people like watching the clock till it ticks to 3 p.m. so that they can be free. Um, and then even, I think we've talked about this before. I do love like in TV and movies when people show like the end of a school day and it's as if like, everyone's like, I'm throwing these papers in the air. I'm shouting, I'm running, I'm skipping. Like <laughs> It's like the doors. Yeah. The running and skipping. I mean, uh, yeah, all of that. It is true. Like I'm trying to remember, like I absolutely had all of the feelings of euphoria on the last day of school and but I feel like it does have a certain fanfare in movies that it doesn't have in real life it's much more like it goes out with like a little like Peter as opposed to like a big like uproarious right like right they open the doors of the classroom all burst open at the same time and kids like shoot out the doors like all like (laughs) skipping down the hall and it's just like more like peace school year people are cleaning out their lockers all day and people are like you know leaving early like all at different times like it's just and maybe it's different in um different school settings maybe urban schools are different we went to a school right you know very um suburban area so maybe it was different but yeah i think it's a movie trope yeah (laughs) so the class empties out but cj and sebastian hang back because they have this plan because they need to steal some sort of equipment from the school's lab so as you do of course um so cj's role in this is that she's going to distract mr lockhart slash michael j fox um Mm -hmm. by talking to him while sebastian like slips out to the lab to get whatever equipment it is that they need Mm -hmm. so and this this was giving me the sweats because i hate having these conversations so she comes up to mr lockhart (laughs) As, as a teacher, I do not like having these discussions with kids that are basically like, why didn't you give me a better grade? <laughs> I'm like, come on. And do you have those, do you have those conversations very much? Because I can't imagine, I literally can't imagine any scenario where I would feel comfortable saying that to a teacher because I'd be so terrified. They'd be like, because you're a stupid idiot and all the work you did is terrible. I easily have emails about grades at least a couple times every semester and then in terms of like a face-to-face I might get like one kid a year who wants to Mm -hmm. talk it over like in person emails I might understand because that's very like you can like semi-anonymous feeling (laughs) yeah yeah it feels more like um yeah, the in-person, like, saying it to someone, asking to, ugh, I can't even fathom that. It's rough. And it's, and this, again, like, I wonder if any of the writers uh, had ever taught, were ever teachers or whatever, because they get it so right, because oftentimes it is the kids <laughs> who are the smart ones who are, like, irritated that they yes. didn't get an A, but they got, like, an A- minus or a B plus, which is yep. what's happening yeah, here. Yeah, 100%. Um, and that's when mm-hmm. you as the teacher get really irritated, because you're like, this is a good grade. Come on now. Like, 
please get out of my face. Yeah, and so in in CJ's case, what she's saying is that she and Sebastian did some sort of version of this time travel technology at their local, like maybe in class or like in a local science fair or like a science fair within school. And they had gotten a B plus. And she's like, but, you know, we're set to go do the same project at the science expo on the 5th of July. Mm -hmm. And her argument is that if we come in having gotten a B plus on this, that's, I guess maybe that grade like gets associated with your entry to the science expo. And then like, it won't be taken as seriously by the judges is kind of what she's trying to say. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Lockhart says, like, look, you and Sebastian are, like, my smartest students. And I think he even also says, like, don't tell anyone else that I said that. (laughs) Um, He's like, but it it isn't... Basically, his thing is, like, it's not just about being able to execute the technology. And because, like, CJ is like, you gave this dumb fuck an A. And he was like, yeah, well, that (laughs) dumb fuck, like, did the assignment. And for him, that was a level work, you know, like, um, which is a very big difference between high school and college. I will say, I do not give people like grades based on like, I think they tried really hard. I'm like, no, by college, we don't do that anymore, but, um, it makes sense in the context of high school. And specifically Mr. Lockhart is like, The problem, the reason why I didn't give you a higher grade is not that you didn't have like the technical knowledge and ability to make these things. And I believe that they probably would work. It's that you haven't thought about the ethics around what you're proposing to do. Um, Mm -hmm. In other words, like if you are going to travel in time, particularly to the past, um, you do need to think about what that means or like why you're doing Mm -hmm. it. Um, And I guess in a sense, like if you are to do it, what are the kinds of safeguards you're going to put in place so that you don't like, you know, mess up the whole timeline or cause like actual like could you for example like cause something where the whole universe collapses I don't know (laughs) yikes (laughs) um and then specifically he says like if you could go back what would you change um and CJ kind of looks at him in puzzlement because she's very I mean I think in a sense this is oftentimes kind of how a scientifically minded person might work which is like I just want to see if I can do it and I'll worry about the ramifications after. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of, and also I think that's just a bit of a young person's like thing in general. (laughs) And I was finding, I was getting really irritated with CJ as the movie went on and I was like, she's supposed to be 18 years old. Like there's a lot of like impetuousness and thinking and arrogance that goes with being that age that as time goes on, it beats out of you, but <laughs> at the moment, <laughs> I mean, that's a dark way to say it, but the, the, the world beats you down and you no longer have aspirations. So you give up quicker, but, right? um, but it's true. Yeah. Um, and then the final, so she, then he, he, like, then he lets them, he's like, what did, just make sure that Sebastian like returns what he took, 
when you guys are done. <laughs> um, so it's like you haven't pulled one over on me. Um, and then as she's leaving in a bit of a huff, uh, Michael J. Fox says to himself, great, Scott. And that's another reference to Back to the Future. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, he says it kind no, of under I his breath. And what that. I also learned um, just a second ago when I was Googling something else is that this is actually the last role that Michael J. Fox ever plays yeah. because he retires from acting, I guess, basically after this. Yeah, that's I read. I did read that too. And I'm sad that he's retired. I'm like... Surely just keep going. You're kind of, you're good in a lot of stuff that you do, but maybe for his health, he needs to kind of dial it back. Um, Yeah. I mean, and I feel like he has dialed it back over the years anyway. So maybe just an official, like, I'm done. Stop calling me type of thing. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, I don't know. So then they leave school and that's when Eduardo makes his first appearance on the scene. He and Sebastian appear to be friends. CJ hates him for some reason that I don't totally know what it is. Um, <laughs> and specifically, like, Eduardo's kind of, like, checking in with them and being like, what do you need that equipment for? And they're like, no, we can't tell you. It's, like, related to the science expo. And then Eduardo also references um, the hurricane relief in Puerto Rico. Um, so we know... Oh. Yeah, so we know that he's Puerto Rican, which, again, is, like... I don't know if it's still the biggest, uh, like, kind of Latino population in New York City, but at one time it definitely was. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's a very deep connection between, like, New York City and Puerto Rico, generally speaking. Um, Yeah. And so he was like, yeah, we're going down to, like, help with the relief because that was that... Now I can't even remember what year that really bad hurricane was, but, like, Trump just was like, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I think it was, I think it must have been 2017, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's right. Something like that. Um, So, and that's still true. They are still recovering from that hurricane in 2017. Yeah. Um, So that is where we are. Um, Then we come into East Flatbush, Brooklyn, which is where um, CJ and Sebastian are from, and this really dope song mm-hmm. comes on, like that's showing like a cool street scene. And I looked this up because, hold on a second, where is it? It's on my phone. Because I really liked this song like a lot. Oh yeah, um, it's called "Hey Up There," um, and it's by mm. uh, a rapper called Buddy, which also and it features Ty Dolla Sign. Um, but it's just like a really cool, like in general, I thought a lo- there's not many songs in this uh, movie, but the ones that they use, I feel like they use really well because like that song goes so nicely mm-hmm. with like the general like street scenes um, that they're yeah. capturing in this moment, which is like, we're already deep into like, oh, this is a New York City story. But like that in particular, I was like, oh yeah, here we are. Like it's these Mm -hmm. visions of like what it's like to grow up in the city. Um, and here, and then of of course we end up in the bodega, uh, which is a place that we will return to many a time over the course of this movie. Um, and CJ and Sebastian, I guess this is like meant to be, they've come home from school. So how long would you say that's like an hour long train ride to get from school back home? I mean, it really depends Um, it really depends. Like, I don't know exactly where that high school is. Um, 
but it, at least an hour, if not longer, more on the train. Yeah. To be honest. So they've got they've come back to their neighborhood. They're getting slushies at the bodega on their way back to Sebastian's house to keep working on their project because they only have like I guess what like five or six days before this expo thing. Mm-hmm. While they're in there, CJ's ex. I mean, it's not clear if they even totally dated, but it's something mm-hmm. was going on there. Um, and his name is Jared. Shows up with this new girlfriend of his, and I don't, it's unclear, like, what the problem between Jared and CJ was, but they visibly and viscerally do not like being around each other, Um, and so they immediately start kind of, like, yapping back and forth at each other, then... um, Jared to like, I don't know, like show that he's over her graphically makes out with his girlfriend in front of the two of them. Um, yeah, yuck. yeah, I didn't care for that. Um, and so then the, this kind of like, they're not really fighting, but they are kind of like grappling a little bit with each other. Um, yeah. And so then that ends up being moved out from the bodega into the street and um, then CJ's older brother, Calvin, rolls up because it, I think it looks like he must work in some place like near to where the bodega is. And yeah. he comes out and he like walks up to Jared and is like, what are you trying to do? Do you want to like, if you really want to get into a fight, you can get into a fight with me. Um, and Jared then kind of goes away. Uh, because I think Mm -hmm. ultimately what we're supposed to take away about Jared is that he's like a punk, like, yeah. And a little bitch. Like he's like, talk a big talk (laughs) and I'm happy to like kind of shove a woman, but I like, I don't actually have much in the way of character or integrity or anything like that. Um, so then, like, Sebastian, CJ, Calvin, and I think Calvin's friend is there as well. Um, they're all, like, walking home from this altercation. And Calvin is, like, talking to CJ and basically, like, you know, you can't let people push your buttons like this, right? Like, um, you need to learn how to control your temper. And she really does because then she gets mad at Calvin like immediately. Like um, she goes from like zero to 60 so fast on her like. Yeah. And so she starts yelling at Calvin and is like, like, why are you getting in my business? I could have handled myself. I don't need you telling me what to do. And there's some implication that maybe he has gotten into some trouble in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this debate between them gets so heated that these police men on the beat who are just like standing around next to their car on the same street walk over to them and immediately I was like tense right because like they're they're right <laughs> yeah they're right in their faces being like what are you doing um blah 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 and then um CJ like kind of turns and is like trying to step in and say don't worry about it like you know like Mm -hmm. and but with everything she's saying she's making it worse um yeah and this interchange is like a microcosm for what comes later it's like a little preview um yep 
of what will eventually be happening. And so as the police are in, they, and they, of course, turn their attention on Calvin because they're like, you are yelling at some girl on the street. She's mm-hmm. like kind of not punching you, but like swatting at you. Um, mm-hmm. your, both of your voices are raised. Uh, and as soon as, so the police come over and then Calvin's friend is like filming and he's like, see, I'm filming this. <laughs> um, yeah. So then like the local character, who's this Rasta guy who shows up a number of times throughout the rest of the movie rolls through and he literally rolls through. He has like a shopping cart or something Um, and it looks like he maybe sells something out of the shopping cart, but I never could quite figure out what, um, Mm. he rolls up and he's got this whole Jamaican accent. I mean, he's Jamaican, but like, Mm -hmm. it's like so Jamaican to where I was like, I don't even totally understand what he's saying, but basically he's saying stuff (laughs) like get moving, stop harassing these kids. Like, don't you have something better to do? (laughs) Like, um, right. Which de-escalates a situation which was already starting to go badly for everyone. Yeah. Um, so everybody goes about their merry way. And then we follow CJ and Sebastian to Sebastian's garage behind his um, grandparents' house. And they're bi- then they sit down to kind of work on their TRPs for the upcoming science expo. Um, while they're doing mm-hmm. this, Sebastian's grandpa comes into the garage and he's basically like, don't you? And he's also some sort of, uh, he's got some sort of like West Indian accent as well. Yeah. It seems like they're, they maybe are supposed to be, or at least maybe Sebastian's family is supposed to be Jamaican. Cause I know yeah. even later when they're playing, they're playing some game. And they're playing it on a board with a Jamaican flag and stuff. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, it's hard for me to totally tell, but like there's, I think his family is from a slightly different place because they have that big flag on the outside of their garage, but it's not the Jamaican flag. It's a slightly different one with like a, no, because the Jamaican flag is the one with the X that's like green, yellow, and black. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're right. Hold on. Let me. I think you're right. Let me just Google. Yeah, but it's the same, but it's the similar colors, right? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's like yellow, green, black. I think that's true. Let's see. Um, Yeah, so the Jamaican flag is um, a yellow X with black and green behind. Um, I can't find the one that they have on their garage because, well, I could have sworn it was like slightly different. Oh, wait, there it is. Oh, the one they have on their flag is from Guyana. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so that's another thing that makes this very New York-y and gives it like a really, I guess I would say like authentic flavor is because a lot of um, black people in New York have that ancestry of coming from the Caribbean. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. a major kind of element of black culture there, Mm -hmm. Um, which I liked. I really like... I also just really like a Caribbean accent. I, admittedly, it's fun. Yeah, they're nice. Um, and so the grandpa mm-hmm. comes in and he's like sweeping and he's like, don't you think you should spend some time outside? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're, 
and they're basically like, well, we've really got to like work on this expo. And the way they win him over is like, they say, if we do well in this expo, then we're going to get all these scholarships. And he's like, well, I like the sound of that. And so then he basically turns <laughs> to Sebastian and is like, but after this expo, you're getting a, a normal person summer job. <laughs> and it's like, um, like, I really like his grandparents. They're very, whenever they, they only show up a couple times in the story, but they're always very cute. Um, and so then they are working on this and it also comes out that they have a side hustle where they are like the local computer and phone fix it people, um, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because presumably this is about getting money for college and probably also money to like buy the equipment that they need to do all this work because they had like VR goggles where they were doing like diagnostics of their technology but like you know what I mean like they have the big goggles on and then they like pull up a hand like boop and then there's like a image of what the machinery is like but like it's in the air above the machine you know like in a holographic look do you you know what I mean So Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that technology really exists at this moment, but if it does, it's supremely expensive. So um, (laughs) they need a side hustle to be able to have that stuff. So at the end of the day, CJ comes home and she finds her mom, Phaedra, and Calvin watching the news. And there's a newscast about BLM protests um, about a mm-hmm. kid who's died because of, well, it's not clear if he died, but I think he did, um, because of police violence. Right. So we start getting some of the kind of important, uh, touchstones of the story at this point. And Calvin and CJ are still kind of on bad terms because they're still pissed off about, both of them are pissed off about the afternoon kind of dust up. And Mm -hmm. so then they chat with each other. And again, CJ is like, look, you really need to learn how to manage your temper because you have this like big future ahead of you. And I worry that it like a temper like yours will like get like you're going to basically trip yourself up. Right. Like if you keep flying off the handle like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's a bit like. Uh, whatever big brother <laughs> like um yeah. and this is where like I do get kind of angry a little bit with her because I'm like yeah man like you can be the most brilliant person in the room but if you're also like completely unreliable eventually like no one's gonna catch up with you no one's gonna work with you and I think that's especially true if you're a woman of color in the science world, you know, like, so it is like, not that you have to like change yourself to get along, but it's also like, you know, unfortunately the world is what it is. So like, you're not going to get the latitude that somebody else would get for being kind of like an unstable genius. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so And Calvin is enough older than her that he knows more about, like, how things in the actual not-school world work, right? So he's trying to, like, Mm -hmm. help her out. So 
Then we end up back in the alley. It's the 29th of June, and they're doing a new test on their TRPs in anticipation of the Science Expo. And before they leave, they agree that they are not going to make any major changes to anything because they don't know what effect it will have on the timeline. So Mm -hmm. then they actually manage to travel in time. Um, And we have a good shot of them both like flying through this like fiery tunnel or something, which I guess is supposed to be the wormhole that they go through. Um, And I do, I do think it's interesting that especially in time travel movies, like that's the image of how, if you're going to show actual time travel, like in Bill and Ted, they go through those like big, like like their cables, right? Like circular Mm -hmm. cables that they're all going through. Maybe, well, I guess that was also because it was like a telephone booth that they were in. But anyway, that does seem to be how people envision what this would look like. And Mm -hmm. when they finally arrive, they check their little like, uh, devices that are connected to the TRPs that look like just they've upgraded their phones in some way so that they can also do kind of research and monitoring. Um, And it says that they've gotten to the 28th of June and they're both like, oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) And they like run out into the street uh, and just ask random people what day it is. And they're like, woohoo, the 28th of June. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) And everyone is like giving them side eye. Like these kids are like nuts seeming. (laughs) Um, Now we return back to the bodega and it is the day before where original CJ and Sebastian are getting slushies before they're about to go to work in the garage. But new CJ and Sebastian are also in the bodega. And so, like, new CJ... And this is going to start getting very confusing about how to talk about these people uh, (laughs) with these different jumps back in time. So new CJ sees the fight that she has with her ex, Jared. She sees that, and Mm -hmm. then she inserts herself into it but, like, not when her old self is there. Um, and she throws a slushy into, into her ex's face. Um, mm-hmm. And then Jared gets really pissed off. And Sebastian also gets pissed off because he's like, what are you doing? We're not supposed to be interacting with people, right? Like, we're just supposed to mm-hmm. see if we could do this. Um And then now the fight that CJ has with Jared is even more tension-filled because she has instigated it by throwing a slushie in his face. Um, (laughs) The fight then proceeds as it has the day before, which is it comes out onto the street, Calvin stops it, and then Jared and his girlfriend, like, move away. But to add to the nutsness of this... New CJ and Sebastian, they go around the corner and CJ throws slushies on Jared again Um, (laughs) because Sebastian is like, you can't be seen by our other selves. That's going to like really mess everything up. And so this is CJ's like 
quote-unquote solution to that problem. Now, Mm -hmm. unsurprisingly, Jared starts chasing them down the street. And and in the process of this uh, kind of chase little bit, he ends up running into the street and gets hit by a car. And CJ and Sebastian see that, but then they get a notification on their, like, phones that says that the wormhole that they created to the past is closing and so they need to get back to the alley so that they can get back to the present Mm -hmm. when they come back to the present they come back they are poofed back into the garage and there's like this massive explosion and smoke comes out of the garage And that's when Sebastian's grandma comes out and she's like, what are you guys doing in here? This is like, she's like, if I hear another explosion, which suggests that she hears quite a lot. If I hear another explosion, (laughs) that what a, what a thing to say to like a couple of teenagers. Well, it suggests that she hears explosions. I know she hears explosions from this building quite a lot, I would say. Um, which is also that seems alarming. <laughs> it seems alarming. It also seems alarming in the context of New York City, which I'm pretty sure people are not yes. like into letting explosions happen much there anymore. No, they would get they would get stuff. They would. I mean, if we, the, the movie goes there, but like the police would be called yes, constantly. Yes, for sure. Because I mean, I I, ha- I get notifications on my phone when there's like. The like the, any type of police report, any like yeah weird sound heard at yeah for know. sure yeah. So the grandma goes back in, and CJ uh, calls around and discovers that Jared is in the hospital with a broken arm, and her response is, "No big deal." And in fact, she's almost like, oh, that went great. You know, like perfect (laughs) solution. And Sebastian, however, is like livid. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, um, as a result of us going back in time, somebody got seriously injured, you know, and could have been Mm -hmm. much more seriously injured. And CJ is just like, "I, what do you like? It's interesting because she literally is like, acting like I don't understand what the problem is here. Yeah. You know? Um, And Sebastian is like, he says what Mr. Lockhart said before, which is like, we were so focused on figuring out if we could time travel, we didn't really think about if we should be doing that. Right? Like... Yeah. um, And now he has already decided that like the brush that they had and the fact that their presence and they were only there for 10 minutes they were in the past (laughs) one day back for 10 minutes and someone got seriously injured and so he's like i don't think this is a good idea to continue to pursue well yeah um and he is right (laughs) i would say (laughs) in the world of this movie yeah in the world of this movie he is right um but CJ really is not in any way impacted by this. And she keeps kind of pressing this thing of like, well, we need to go to the science expo. We need to show this stuff. This is how we're getting our college scholarships. This must happen, right? Like, 
and also mm-hmm. I mean and Sebastian and it's clear that they've had a, like a very long friendship so he goes along with it right um then we get to 4th of July weekend so the weekend before the big science expo and we see Calvin as you said, playing dominoes on like a Jamaican flag domino board <laughs> um, at a 4th of July barbecue. And mm-hmm. this is another song that's playing that I actually knew before from Zumba that's really good called Oh Yay, <laughs> um, which sounds silly, but it's, title. it's an excellent song. Um, so Calvin is there and it seems that he doesn't actually understand how to play dominoes Um, I don't totally understand how to play dominoes, but I do know it seems real popular with people over 75 and people who like hanging out (laughs) in parks. They are constantly playing dominoes. I think that's very true. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So he's like chatting with people at this big backyard barbecue. And then his friend Dennis, um, who was also the one who was recording when the police were there a couple days before, he's like, hey, man, we need to get out of here because Jared's here. And he's kind of like heated and, you know, basically like we need to avoid this conflict. This is because he knows that Jared's a punk and he's going to start trouble. Right. So they leave. Oh, is this the part? Hold on. I need to just. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is another part that I really like. So as. Calvin and Dennis are leaving. They pass Jared, um, kind of him coming in, them leaving. And there's this other woman there who I guess maybe we can presume is like one of the hosts of the barbecue. And she's got like a Spellman alumna shirt on. Mm-hmm. And did you know that Spellman is a HBCU? Uh, what, what, no, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Um, a historically black college or university. Oh yes, I did. I, I, or I, I did slash I figured that it was. Yeah. So she rolls up and she is there as these two sets of friends are passing each other. And even in the passing, like Jared, again, like a little bitch is like, oh you're running away oh and like she like immediately cottons on to the situation that's happening because she turns to him and she's like bumba clot don't even start doing that and do you know what bumba clot is no so this i actually googled this because i've i um really like reggae and dancehall music which is primarily done uh, by people from the Caribbean. So I've heard the word bumba clot a lot before and I've inferred what it meant, but I looked it up today to know for sure. And, um, according to dictionary.com, bumba clot is a Jamaican slang equivalent to douchebag or motherfucker. Um, wow. And it has a variety of different ways you can spell it. Um, and then it goes on to say that it's an insulting vulgarity that literally refers to either menstrual pads or toilet paper. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. So this woman is like to Jared, she's like bumba clot. She's like, just get, and I mean, she does that word. It's a good one. Um, and she, she doesn't have a Jamaican accent 
but like that word is so again we see this thing of like people's parents and grandparents come from the Caribbean end up in New York mm-hmm. and then it's a, a new community of that there so then we follow Calvin and Dennis onto the street they're just like walking down this quiet looking street um talking about like other plans they have for the rest of the day or for the rest of the weekend or whatever and as they're doing that some guys like run by them and i think they even like run between them right like um and so they're both like what the fuck is this and um as so then those guys run away and as dennis and calvin are walking, a police car rolls up behind them. And the screen goes black, and then we hear a voiceover of a news broadcaster explaining that Calvin was killed by the police in a case of mistaken identity. So the guys who run past them on the street are guys who have done something that the police are looking for. The police think it's Calvin and his friend, and Calvin gets shot mm-hmm. in that uh, all, uh, kind of interaction. So we mm-hmm. see the funeral. We see everybody crying. Everyone's in black. When we come to CJ's family home, it's now, of course, just her and her mother left out of their family because something I haven't mentioned yet is that the dad of this family has died some amount of time previously. It's not totally clear. And Mm -hmm. so CJ's mom comes in and like turns off the news and is like, just, you know, get some rest. Uh, Sebastian's grandma is there again. And um, she says to CJ, you know, Sebastian is your brother too. He cares about you. So I really like this grandma like a lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then Phaedra says something that is like really really important to what comes next for the rest of the story. She says to Mm -hmm. CJ that she's like, so sorry that this has happened, you know, that now it's just the two of them. And she says if she could go back and change things, she would. And immediately CJ like kind of like perks up and I think she even says, like, what did you say? And her mom's like, don't worry. Yeah, I think she makes her repeat it. Yeah, and her mom's like, don't worry about it. You know, just go to sleep. And so uh, Phaedra and Sebastian's grandma leave. And then CJ, rather than going to sleep, uh, immediately runs over to, like, the various uh, kind of, like, designs that she has for her TRP machine. And she starts fussing with them and, like, doing something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is the very next day or like a couple days later, but we end up following CJ to the graveyard where she's visiting Calvin's grave um, and Sebastian finds her and CJ is like, look, I've like made all these changes in these new designs. And Sebastian is a bit confused because they've like... Because Calvin, I guess, is shot on the 4th of July, they have missed Mm. the Science Expo, which was happening the following day. Mm -hmm. So he's like, what are you trying to improve this design for? Like, the moment has kind of passed. And she's like, you don't Mm -hmm. understand. With these um, improvements, now we can go back 
maybe even a week rather than just one day. And with that, that means that we can save Calvin from getting shot. And what is Sebastian's response to this idea? Uh, I can't remember exactly, but he's basically like, you're crazy. Yeah. He thinks it's a terrible idea. Would he say something specific? No, no. He thinks it's a terrible idea because he, like we already talked about, he was very uncomfortable with what happened when they went back just one day before. And he was like, no. Um, I can't remember if he says kind of like, we have to accept certain things, but that's the implication, right? Like that there are certain things that can't be messed with, right? And so unsurprisingly, because this is CJ's main kind of character trait, she flies into a rage and um, walks away from him. Uh, The following day, though, she kind of comes to her senses and returns to Sebastian's garage and she apologizes to him and they have this is actually like a really nice moment that they have um about their friendship and Sebastian is like look Mm -hmm. you know I loved Calvin too I miss him but like really I'm not I'm still not comfortable with going back but yeah CJ manages to convince him that it's a great idea (laughs) So, so then they decide that they will go and save him. And then they have a cool science montage, uh, (laughs) which I really like. And then again, they have a really good, um, like song that is a reggae song that many people would know that goes, ring the alarm as I'm slowly dying. Whoa. Do you know, did you recognize that song? (laughs) No. Oh man. I, why do I know so much reggae and you seem to know I don't. none? I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not very smart. I don't know. Well, I don't think you have to be smart to be familiar with reggae, but it just might be a blind spot or just not your cup of tea, which is fine. Um, but I really quite enjoyed it. And I also, because yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like the first of two science montages and... <laughs> I like a good montage, let's face it. But I also thought about, like, do you think that part of the point of having these montages was just to show, like, black people doing science-y things? Uh, I don't know. I guess just to, like, make it a little bit more sound that they're not just, like, these like crazy kids doing this reckless thing. It's more like they actually are smart kids who do know what they're doing. Um, you know, maybe more of that. I'm not sure. Just to like ground it a little bit more in like the fact that they really have some type of special capability and have figured something out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a lot of things, but I felt like, especially since they have two science montages, which I think (laughs) is like, maybe more than we need in an 87 minute movie. Um, I, or maybe they were trying to fill out the movie cause it's based on a short. <laughs> could short be. Story. Uh, I just thought it was like the point of this is to show people of color doing science, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. and that there's a value maybe. to doing that because often we don't see that 
necessarily. And so this is like, mm-hmm. anyway, I don't know that that's true, but I'm going to act like it's true, I guess. Um, okay. And then, so they also kind of like Sebastian's contribution to this new idea that they're going to go back and save Calvin is he, he's like, we have to like calculate everything down to the second. We have to be really prepared for what we're about to do. Um, and they also Mm -hmm. now know that like, even though they've improved the technology so that they can go back further in time and they can still only be back in time for 10 minutes. So that is also why the plan has to be very clear because they have no time to like waste basically. That is not enough time. No, I also like now admittedly, I haven't ever lived in New York like you have, but even, I mean, I don't. And so I don't know like the spatiality of like when they get into the alley, like where's that relative to the street that they need to get to. But like, yeah, I don't either, but it didn't seem like enough even to just, even if you were running there full out, I don't think you'd get there fast enough. Like it's not, unless like literally it's down the street, which it's hard to tell, like, yeah, exactly where they're supposed to be. Um, they, yeah. I mean, it takes me five minutes. (laughs) Like it takes me five minutes to walk, like, you know, not somewhere, not very far is my point. I don't know how long. Yeah. um, and even running and, you know, yeah, I think 10 minutes is really cutting it close. Yeah. Like, I mean, even if you're somebody who like grew up in the neighborhood and th- that neighborhood seemed like it had like a lot of alleys and like kind of cut throughs that you could maybe do. Yeah. Um, even with that, like, I don't know. Anyway, probably not no, it's super a, it's a a important, but it does mean that they have to like, as <laughs> soon as they arrive, they've got to be jamming to f- like figure out what they're doing. Yes. So they do, they, their plan is basically we're going to get into the past. We're going to run to find Calvin and Dennis, and we're just basically going to kind of like move them out of the way, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, get them out of the street. But, uh, as is want to happen in stuff like this, as soon as they arrive in the past, um, they run into Jared, Right. And so then they get mm-hmm. delayed having a bit of a problem with him. And as a result, they like kind of are just running to the street and they hear the shot that kills Calvin. So mm-hmm. then we go on. The rest of the movie is this series of attempts to try and make things right from CJ's perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the next time they go back, they decide that what they're going to do is rather than try to get to Calvin, which, as we discovered, is hard to do with the time they have, they're going to get to the past and then they're going to call the police um, because what they've learned is that the bodega is robbed and the two guys that ran past Calvin and Dennis are the guys who robbed the bodega and Calvin and Dennis get mistaken for those guys. So what their solution to that problem is, is that they're going to come back to the past. They're going to call the police about the robbery and then the robbers will be caught. So then problem can't happen, basically. Um, But Sebastian then reminds CJ that they have now they have now been in that day 
twice. They've been in the 4th of July yeah. when they first experienced it. They've been in the 4th of July when they just went back and got delayed by Jared. And now they're going back again. So there will be two other versions of themselves wandering around. And so we can't interact with them. Um, right. And CJ's like, sure, sure, fine, fine. <laughs> like, she just doesn't seem <laughs> super bothered by that. Um, and so then they go back again to the 4th of July. And as soon as they arrive in the back alley, CJ calls the police to say that the bodega is being robbed. Then they walk mm -hmm. to the bodega to await seeing police arrive. But they don't see any police arrived. And hmm. um, so CJ is like, I'm just going to go in. Which, again, is like, why would you do that? I do, like, come on. Yeah. Um, but And Sebastian tries to say, like, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. And he's like, but the police haven't arrived. And also we know from the news that like coverage of this event that the robbery doesn't happen till 5.35 p.m. And it's 5.30. So I'm, I've got you know, like five minutes of safety is her feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so she goes in and as she's going in, the original version of Sebastian from 4th of July sees her going into the bodega and he follows her in and he's pissed at her because he's like, CJ, you're doing time travel without me. And <laughs> she's like, shut up. I don't have time for this right now. I'm like here doing something. He's like, but you're not with me. And of course you can't say I am with you. The other you is outside, <laughs> you know, like. Right. Um, and so she's like kind of swatting him away, saying like, let's talk about this later. While simultaneously the robbers are lurking in the bodega already. And she writes on a piece of paper for Carlito, uh, the owner, or at least the cashier guy, like there are robbers. So then Carlito takes out a gun, but then the robbers have guns too. Um, everything then goes off the rails because yeah. CJ is kind of interjecting herself into this standoff. And because of that, the robbers are like, we're going to take your backpack, which of course has her time travel machine in it. Um, mm -hmm. and as a result, uh, of this scuffle, the past Sebastian gets shot and he kind of tumbles out of the door of the bodega onto the sidewalk. So current Sebastian sees himself get shot or die from being yeah. shot. CJ yeah, runs. That's yeah. CJ runs out. She's freaking out. She's freaking out because she of course sees both of them. Um, mm -hmm. and she's like, no, 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 no. Trying to help past Sebastian. Um, and as past Sebastian is dying, present Sebastian is also dying. And I think he's kind of like dripping blood out of his mouth or something. Um, but then when past Sebastian dies on the sidewalk from the gunshot wound, present Sebastian just like disappears, like literally disappears, right? right, right? right. Yeah, um, yeah. And his um, time travel pack like falls to the ground. And so mm -hmm. uh, CJ grabs the time travel pack and runs back to the alley to return to her present by herself. Now we have a different funeral happening. So Calvin hasn't been shot, but Sebastian has. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And after that funeral, Calvin confronts CJ because he's found the funeral program from from his death the previous time before. And Mm -hmm. he's like, what the fuck is this? And she's like, I can't tell you. Uh, And he's like, well, you better tell me because... (laughs) I can't tell you, so just shush. extremely fucked up. And then she's like, I made a time machine and it works. And, uh, you know, like you got shot... In, a, in the original version of how things all happened. And so I tried to go back and Sebastian came with and then Sebastian got shot instead. Um, and what's interesting is it takes Calvin maybe like a minute and a half to be like, got it. Like he doesn't seem super surprised that, I mean, his sister is quite smart, but like I, w- I would take some more time, I think, to fully appreciate <laughs> that as a thing um and basically though this conversation that they have is like cj's like but don't worry about it i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna get sebastian and then we're all gonna survive and won't that be great and calvin is like whoa 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 um do like you can't do that he's similar to sebastian is a bit like um you know once you pull out one thread who's to say what else could go wrong you know um yeah yeah and and he's like and besides you don't even really have a plan you just are your plan is save sebastian like that's not a plan um and she's like no no she manages to convince him too and he's like okay but i'll like i want to help you and she's like okay great um but i need to fix uh, our packs because they like need to be even more powerful than they were before. And then mm. she kind of groans because she's like, oh, now that Sebastian's not here, I'm going to have to have Eduardo help me, who I hate. <laughs> um, which I really, I'm like, Eduardo is like super fun and funny. Um, yeah, I don't know why they hate him so much. But then we have a similar science montage where the two of them are working on getting the packs like ready for this next journey. And mm-hmm. the, I think what they're doing is like kind of adding even more power because like the idea is, is that they will, what they want to do now is like create what they keep calling a time splice, which is they're going to go back in time in such a way that all of what happens to Sebastian will be erased from the timeline, which does in fact Mm -hmm. seem to sort of happen because they transport CJ back to the moment that she and Sebastian arrived in the alley to save Calvin. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as much as a time travel movie can Mm -hmm. make sense. Right, right, right. So she like plops in to this alley right at the moment and then... Like, uh, Sebastian is still under the impression that they're going to run, oh, that they're going to stop the robbers, that that's the plan to call up the police. Um, but she's like, no, no change of plans now. Oh, and I should (laughs) have said before this, like, just as she's about to leave CJ and Calvin have this very sweet little moment, um, where they like hug and, you know, um, CJ basically says, if this all works, no one will remember 
that this has happened, right? And that's when mm-hmm. Calvin says to her, I'll see you yesterday. Um, so right. then uh, CJ and Sebastian, who's now alive again, uh, rather than trying to stop the robbery, decide that the main plan is to go back to the original plan, which is get to Calvin and Dennis and simply physically mo- remove them from the street um, so that when the police come, they will not be there. Um, right. So they manage to catch up with Calvin and Dennis and CJ is like freaking out and she's like, we got to get out of here. And they're both like, what are you talking about? And like Sebastian and CJ are basically kind of like shouting (laughs) simultaneously. Yeah. And so Calvin in particular is not convinced of what's happening. And CJ gets increasingly kind of desperate and is trying to like pull on him and like, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. And then, unfortunately, the police car rolls up again. And because uh, CJ and Sebastian are so agitated, the police are already like, where's your ID? What the fuck's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And then because CJ is so keyed up, she says to the police, is this about the robbery at the bodega? Oh, rookie mistake. Right. Which she shouldn't know about. Right. Right. Um, And so immediately the police are like in a major, like, oh, this is it. This is like, we found him, blah, blah, blah. And so these two cops start wrestling. I can't, it seemed like they, they were definitely holding Sebastian to the ground, but then were they... I guess they were also maybe wrestling CJ to the ground. I can't totally remember. Them all, they were holding them all to the ground, I think. Yeah, but like not everyone. No, they, they were holding. Because there were only two were police Sebastian officers. And the other, yeah, they were holding Sebastian and then the, the dude, the Cal, Calvin's friend. Oh, okay. So, so while this is happening and it's looking very dire, particularly because it's this big white guy on top of Sebastian who... Um, I don't know that he is a small man, but he looked small (laughs) and certainly looked smaller than this cop that was on top of him. And so then we see from Calvin's point of view, like he's looking at all this happening. He's seeing his one friend getting wrestled to the ground. He's seeing Sebastian getting wrestled to the ground. And then he also sees Mm -hmm. somehow like, I guess CJ has brought this program, the funeral program, and he sees that the funeral program is changing from his face to Sebastian's face, that one of them is going to get killed in this encounter. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. Cal decides to stand up and he starts walking toward the police and the guy that is wrestling Sebastian to the ground picks up his gun and shoots Calvin like right in the chest. And Mm -hmm. I really liked like how this was done because then the second cop who was wrestling Dennis to the ground, he kind of like looks up and you can see that he's really surprised that his partner has shot this kid. Like there's a look on his face. that's like, really? You know, like, Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because as well, one of the things I haven't mentioned is like a lot of the cops that they're interacting with in this 
Um, there's one that's like a light skinned black guy. Uh, mm-hmm. and in fact, I think the second cop in this also looks like a very light skinned black person as well. Um, mm-hmm. so it's not like it's just white cops who are part of the problem. Right. And we know oh, that, yeah. that, that it's that that's part of it, but it's not the whole thing because as we said before, police generally speaking in this country are very much trained to see all people as enemies of what they're trying to do, right? So um, Mm -hmm. anyway, I thought like the rendering of this did a good job of capturing how it feels um, to be on the other side of police violence and like how it happens in this very like... um, random isn't the way but like kind of like misunderstandings uh that people are just kind of keyed up for various reasons and then that spills out in these ways that are like so predictably terrible um so cal is shot Sebastian kind of comes to his senses and he like kind of picks up CJ and is like, we have to get out of here. Like, cause we only have yeah. the 10 minutes and that it remains true. So they then transport back to the alley. Um, and in between that, there's a brief shot where we go back to the Calvin who said goodbye to CJ before and he also disappears, right? So it's like, wow, he really mm-hmm. died, you know? Um, yeah. So then the final scene here is that, that Sebastian and CJ come back to the garage. And, Seb- and they're both really shaken, as you would be. But Sebastian is like, CJ, how many times have you traveled to the past without me? And she's yeah. like, just the once. And he's like, are you sure about that? And she's like, no, I swear. And he's like, well, why haven't you told me about it? And why did you do that? And she tells him about how, you know, the first time they went back, he ended up dying. And of course, he's freaked out, <laughs> um, as you would be. Yeah. And he's like, okay, that's enough. We have tried to fix this. It hasn't worked. Every time we've gone back, something has gotten worse. So mm-hmm. that's it. We're done. And she's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I hear you. I agree on the same page. And immediately <laughs> she like <laughs> runs out. She locks him in the garage. She runs out herself and is like, I've got to go. I've got to try. And the kind of mm-hmm. final few seconds of the movie are her running in slow motion alone. And it looks like she's running down the street where Calvin and Dennis are. And it seems like maybe yeah. she's going to try again to save Calvin. And that, yeah, that was the gist, is the end. Gist I got. Yeah. So before we go on to our usual like yawns and eye rolls and recommendations or not, um, would are you when you when the movie was over were you hoping that it was going to work this time or were you thinking that it would probably just be a bad result again 
I was hoping we would see it work. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> I would have loved that as well. Because I'm, I've said this before, I'm not one for ambiguous endings that like, oh, we don't sure. know, could be this, could be that. I get why they're done. And in this case, I, I, I understand it. Um, but I wanted a resolution. And yeah, I wanted, I mean, I, I guess in this case, I can pretend in my head that it worked this time. Or it's just going to be like, or is her whole life just going to be continuously replaying this day and trying to save her brother right. constantly? Right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that to me, this is also kind of showing that when white people time travel, it can be a fun fantasy adventure and mm. it ends up in a happy way, usually. Uh, but particularly because of the reason she's traveling back and because she, like, she's not changing the realities of what living in New York as a black person is like, she can't do that. So she is limited by the, that reality. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, at the end, I was like, oh, I guess maybe when black people try time travel, they can't even get a happy ending, <laughs> yeah, that is uh, really sad. which is a, such a bummer. But I did also think to me, the way the ending was, is I was like, oh, maybe it is just this kind of groundhog day thing where she's just constantly mm. going back and back and back, um, yeah. which would be its own punishment right like yeah because it's bad enough to be like oh well maybe calvin will always die that sucks but then to be like here's this girl who has all this like potential and possibility and what if she never uses it because she just gets consumed by this task right Um, because it does seem like really the choice is up to her, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. yeah. So any, so that was really depressing to me. And I was also really frustrated because the more I thought about this movie, the more I was like, the person who sets all of this in motion is CJ. This is all about increasingly bad results coming from Mm -hmm. choices that she makes right like um she when they first go back in time she wants to fuck with her admittedly annoying ex-boyfriend and she (laughs) does that and then he breaks his arm and so then he is even more pissed than he would be and so when he runs into calvin at that barbecue they have Calvin and Dennis have to leave. Whereas if it was like how the original thing went, where they just had a, like a little dust up on the street without the slushy thing and without the broken mm-hmm. arm thing, you think like, Oh, maybe it would have been fine. But then again, maybe it wouldn't yeah. have, I don't know. But like, yeah, it was really rough. Is <laughs> all I gotta say. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. In terms of yawns and eye rolls, One yawn is, uh, I was really engaged, followed this movie into it. 
And Tanyans is like, I really like could not get into this thing at all. And I like lost the point quite a lot. What would you say? <laughs> I would probably give it like a solid two. It took me a minute to get into it. Like at the beginning, I feel like I wasn't quite as engaged. I, I did. I was drawn in by like the Brooklyn of it all. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, a solid two. Like I, it took me a minute, but then once I was in it, I was in it. Yeah. I think I got to go one because I was into it as soon as they said energize. And that was in the first like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That maybe took, they started talking about Star Trek and I was like, oh no, brother, here we go. Um, I didn't so talk about I had it too much. No, not you, but I was just like in the movie when they said it, I was like, oh, golly, here we go with all the Star Trek bullshit. Um, so then your reaction was just like CJ's when he was talking about it as well. Basically. Um, cool. And so then for eye rolls, we have one eye roll, which is like, I mean, travel time travel movie. We're in line with whatever that entails. And mm-hmm. 10 eye rolls is like, Oh, come on. This is not a thing. Um, I think I might go two again huh. because, um, you know, yeah, like I went with it. And I think of <laughs> the reasons that people have for time travel in other movies mm. and in other scenarios, yeah. this is a pretty good reason and a pretty valid, understandable, relatable reason. Sure. You know, just going back to be like. For the sake of it. See what <laughs> yeah this cars looked like, or, you know, that's, you know, or to get an A on a history project, like in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. (laughs) Right. I forgot that was the reason. Right. Like this is a little bit more humanitarian, a little less selfish. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think two. Yeah, I think I agree with you at two. And the reason I'm giving it a two rather than a one is because I am a little bit skeptical about some of the science talk that they do. Mm. (laughs) Um, I'm not like, look, I, some people really like their science fiction to be quote unquote realistic, um, which is not really my demand of science fiction. Um, but I, I do think like if we are trying to do this movie that is like talking about real world issues and like what the world is like in 2019, um, then I do kind of expect maybe a little bit of realism in the science talk. Um, and there were certain points, like I kept having, when they were talking about time splices and stuff, like I kept having to rewind it and be like, what are they actually saying there? And (laughs) now admittedly, I'm no physicist. So maybe what they were saying made perfect sense and is like (laughs) right on target with where people in physics who do stuff related to time and other kinds of things like that. Maybe that was like all on point, but there was a part of me that had this little feeling where I was like, I, but maybe not. I feel like they're (laughs) fudging some things here. I mean, let's be real. I think a lot of, I mean, every movie where there's like, you know, every, some person who's a uh, expert in a certain field can like pick apart movies. Like if I were to, if they do a movie about, 
and I'm not an expert, but if they did a movie about musical theater and stuff, I would have my little things of like, that's not real. Right. Or if, you know, people who are lawyers watch Law and Order and like, that's not real. Right. You know, so um, definitely it had that, but it was believable enough to the. Yeah, that's why I put it at a two, because I'm like, there did seem to be a bit of a like, you know, like a magic hands, like abracadabra feel to some of it. (laughs) Um, But I also am like, yes, that is always the case, particularly with time travel things. So I don't need it to be like perfect, but I am going to just be like, I think it's like maybe a little bit of a whoa whoa it works don't think about it too much yeah 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 um and that's fine so then now finally would you recommend this film did you like it what do you say yeah yes to both yes I would recommend it and normally that's a hard thing for me to say for even these like science fiction ones yeah I was gonna say how many caveats would you have to I don't really have any caveats for this one because I don't think the science fiction gets in the way. And I think the sort of larger story being told um, is timely and people should be aware of it. And I know people, most people are aware of it, but um, it's, I think it's more of like an important interesting story than maybe some of the other things we've watched yeah i agree i would say give this a watch there's plenty that's and it's easy to watch too like it's not even though it does get heavy and dark it doesn't really even though that's true it doesn't feel that dark like i said the first hour or so is like mostly fun and then it's only this last bit that gets a little bit more heavy Um, and I think as well, like there's enough as always, there's enough like about this movie visually and like elements of the story that we didn't talk about here that I think you can still enjoy Mm -hmm. even if you like have now heard us talk about it. Right. Like, um, yeah. So I think that also is a good, it's a good mark of a fun movie, like and a Mm well-made movie. Um, And like you said, like the reason for time travel actually is a lot more compelling than many time travel movies do have. So I think that's also Mm -hmm. um, like a kind of reason to recommend it. And I think it's like, Mm -hmm. I also would say that I think they kept the loopiness of it all. Like when I said before, like the claustrophobia of like keeping going back to this day and this day and this day, really they only do it three times. And I'm like, okay, good. That's enough. Like we don't. Yeah. It doesn't get too confusing where a lot of times time travel movies really do get, um, complicated in my brain yeah (laughs) even bill and ted i was like what the what (laughs) like i and that's like probably embarrassing to say but um this one i very much felt like i understood each jump back and like where they were right like i mean i could see a different version of this movie kind of like revisiting things a little bit more Um, Mm -hmm. but I, like, first of all, I don't think it needed it. So that's why it's like, okay, we've just, we've explored it. The points made. And because they could only be back in that uh, short amount of time for 10 minutes, it just, there's less of like different versions happening. Right. You would. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, everyone, 
If you've not seen this and if this piques your interest, I we encourage you unreservedly, no caveats at all <laughs> to... No caveats. That's a, literally a first, I think. I think that's right. I think even though you enjoyed Planet of the Apes, you probably would have said, well, like not for everybody. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally ones that I have chosen that I like, you know, like Jason X, like Killer Clowns, I would still be cautious of recommending it in, in yeah. a broad way yeah. sense. Yeah. So definitely give this a, a watch if you feel you're interested. Um, mm-hmm. It's been, as always, a pleasure, Amy. I am Sarah, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.